Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. My name is Josiah Kane. As always, I'm joined by the illustrious Chuck Jones. Hey. <laughs> Don't talk nasty now. <laughs> this morning I had this the, a very simple breakfast. I was about to say the, the quick 2A breakfast, but that's what Chuck had. Yeah. I almost mentally ate what he ate, I guess. I had the 2x2x2. Two by two by two, a classic here at the breakfast theology seat. As always, you know, IHOP, IHOP serves us well. It's hard to complain. Yeah, really it is. And today you had a coupon, so even a little extra Save money. Save $5. Yeah, hard to beat that. So last week we finished up our series on emotions. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Kind of walking through what the Bible says about different kinds of feelings. Some good, some bad. Overall, I think... And if they missed any, they can find them in the archives, right? Yeah, you can just go straight back uh, in your podcast player or on our website, uh, northcampbiblechurch.com. You can find them all there and go back and listen to them. I want to also encourage you guys to reach out to us, to communicate, to let us know you're there. Send us an email at breakfasttheology at gmail.com. Very simple, easy thing to do. And... You can uh, have your opinion shared across the format. You can send us a topic for re- uh, a suggestion for a topic. You can be a guest on the show if you live in the Grand Rapids area. You can criticize us. There's a lot of things you can do. <laughs> but we would just love to hear from you. Ask us a question. Make us think. Say you like us. Say you don't. Whatever the case. We'd love to hear from you. So this week we're moving on to a new topic with an interesting passage with some interesting wording. Psalm 19, verse 13. So if you'd like to give us a read on that, Chuck, let's kind of dive into what it says and why maybe it's a little hard to understand. (laughs) Well, it may be a little hard to understand. taken out of context but it comes in a section following a section where the psalmist is dealing with the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statutes and commandments and the fear of the Lord and the judgments of the Lord and that they are to be desired more than gold Uh, and then we get down to verse 12, who can understand his errors? Rhetorical question there. Yeah. Cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, that I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. The qualifier for sin as being presumptuous is an interesting word. Yeah. We, we might not really think of it. And I suppose a person who is living in this kind of an attitude 
isn't going to do the checking necessary anyway. Yeah. But uh, presumptuous sins, it is to go beyond what's right or proper. Yeah, presumptuous definition in English is failing to observe the limit of what is permitted or appropriate. So you know where it is. That's that's the that's the part that's really the trick here is you know where the limit is. In other words, you know where the shoreline is, but you choose to walk past it anyway. You presume to just go past it. It's gonna be okay. And and the Greek or the sorry and the Hebrew word <coughs> is mezidim, I think is the word used here, and it comes from the root, which means, you know, this insolent and presumptuous things, but it's often used talking about arrogant people or proud people, people who think of themselves more highly than others, so they, they don't see the limits like everybody else does. Well, yeah, it's true for you, but it's not true for me. Yeah. I have this kind of feeling sometimes where laws and regulations and rules are put into place for stupid people who do stupid things. And I'm not one of those people, so I don't have to obey those rules. You know? That's presumptuous. Right. They're saying, oh, this is this is only for qualified people, or this is off limits, or this is the speed limit. But those are only for people who handle things irresponsibly and make bad decisions. I'm not one of those people, so I'm going to purposefully walk past that line that I know is there. Doesn't it make you feel a little nervous talking that way? It does. And I've been convicted of that as I'm getting older. Maturing and growing older is sometimes a painful process as you reflect on your life and realize, oh, maybe I should be living differently. Yeah. Well, you you don't have children yet. No. But there's that fateful saying parents have, don't do as I'm doing, you do what I tell you. Well, that's a shame. That's just proclaimed hypocrisy right there. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, see, and never see it. Mm. Never realize it, it's right there, as plain as the nose on your face. But people are blind to it, Blind, blind to their own sin. That's the crazy thing. While you're listening to this, just look straight ahead of you. You see your nose right now. It's in your peripheral vision. You can see it. Close one eye. It's right down there. Your nose has been in everything you've ever seen in your life. Every single picture, every single vista of every landscape, every screen. Your nose is right there. But sometimes it's just hidden from us because it's just a part of our everyday. It's become habitual. Yeah. So this presumptuous things, back to Psalm 19, presumptuous sins. Taking, taking liberties, audacious. Is that English? <laughs> Insolent is another word that's kind of synonymous as well, showing a rude and arrogant lack of respect. Rude and arrogant mm-hmm. lack of respect. Who's going to get me? Who's going to stop me? Presumptuous sins are found in, in the uh, law in the Old Testament. 
and each one of them is responded should be responded to by getting rid of that sin that evil to be above the law it doesn't apply to me well certainly it applies to you you don't know what I know so it has to apply to you until you uh, attain my level of understanding yeah, till my till you become as enlightened as I am yeah <clears throat> that's I think what David is saying here if, if we look at as you said the context of what David wrote this in he says the, the law of the Lord is perfect in restoring the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise is simple the precepts of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. And he goes on to say, it's more desirable gold, sweeter than honey. And he says, moreover, your servant is warned by them. Warned. And he says, in keeping them is great reward. So you're saying these presumptuous sins, the limits of where things are made are in the Old Testament. David knows where these limits are. And he's asking God, hey, keep, try to keep me from purposely crossing these lines. I have done this before. I know myself. You know, where I know I'm about to sin. I think and I pause and I sit there for a second. And because of my selfishness, I do it anyway. Yep. That... And then afterwards, that just makes you feel like crap. <laughs> you know, where you're like, I knew this was wrong. I thought about it being wrong before I did it. I did it anyway, and here I am. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of where David was when he wrote this. I mean, you said, who can discern his errors, equip me of hidden faults. I'm just trying to think maybe Bathsheba was on his mind. You know, it was hidden. He tried well, to hide it from the rest yeah, of the world. Yeah, you know, and that might be the first first idea because how many of David's sins do we know about? Very few. I mean, we know about some big ones, but <laughs> he lived a long time and not all of them are recorded. Yep. So there's many other hidden things. What kind of sins did he commit as a father? He didn't tell Absalom no enough? Well, his example probably led to some of his downfall, you know, taking multiple wives yeah. and sleeping around. You know, I think those things kind of, his son saw those examples and followed them. You know, if David did it, it's okay for me. Yeah. You know, so we don't know what was in his heart always. Right. Unless he tells us. And uh, I think that the sin with Bathsheba is a good example of presumption. When he saw her, he said to his one of his servants, go get her and bring her over here. Another man's wife? I'm the king. Don't sweat it. He knew that was wrong. It's not like there was any doubt in that for him. He had to make a copy of the entire Torah when he became king. Word for word, he had to make his own copy. That was one of the practices of the kings yeah. of Israel. 
So he wrote that part where it said, do not commit adultery. Like he wrote those words himself. Yeah. He knew that they were there. And he saw that line and he purposefully, presumptuously walked across it. So he's saying in verse 12, who can discern his own errors? And I think that's, he's saying that's why we have the law, you know? If everybody was left to do whatever was in their own eyes, it'd be back to the judge, book of the judges, which is just a mess. And he's saying, equip me for my hidden faults. Also keep your servant from these presumptuous sins. So he's saying, not only are there things that sometimes I do and I don't realize it that are sins, but there's things that I purposely do all the time that are sins and keep me from both of those. I I need, (laughs) David's very- Some insulation. Yeah. Yeah, we recently were having electrical issues at my house and we opened up the, called an electrician. There's a couple of weird quirky things going on. So we figured, you know, just get a professional out here. One of the things he found was a rat's nest in the, the fuse box, oh. the main circuit breaker box. You know, there's a nest now at the bottom and they had chewed through some of the insulation on the ground wires. Without that insulation, you get funny things going on in the house. <laughs> we need that insulation. We need that protection yeah. that God can offer us to keep us from sin. That's what the Lord's Prayer is all about. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yes, that's correct. So it behooves us to pay attention to what's going on in our minds <clears throat> whether, we're, whether we're given over to following our emotions or manipulating people with our emotions to get our own way mm-hmm. manipulation is a terrible thing yeah it's a perversion of truth you take, you take something that someone thinks is true or is compelling to them and you twist it and you use it in a way and you corrupt it to get what you want. Well, it's interesting that you would describe it that way. I would tend to describe it more as extortion. Yeah, yeah. And you know what Paul says about extortioners? Not good things. <laughs> They won't inherit the kingdom of God for one thing. Yeah, they're in a long list of things that I do sometimes <laughs> of people that won't inherit the kingdom. But luckily, and praise God that I'm under the grace of His Son and His death. Yeah, God is very much against this this arrogance and pride. He he opposes the proud. And Psalm 101:5 says. I will not endure, this is God speaking, I will not endure one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart. He's just... Won't endure? Yeah, he's not going to deal with them. God says he's a patient man, or patient God, rather. He's this loving, compassionate, gracious God, but he's not going to endure. It says slow to anger, Mm -hmm. but he does get there. Yep. Yes, he does. And that justice comes. We need to be careful of what's in here. I guess the podcast 
podcast listener can't see it. Point. I was pointing to my heart. Yeah. Maybe be careful what's in here, what's in our mind. Because out of that comes what we think and what we say. Exactly. Well, I was thinking too of Second uh, Peter. He doesn't hold back on his description. Second Peter chapter two, verse ten. There, Peter says, talking about uh, false teachers and their character. And I don't think Peter's using hyperbole. It's level, straight, truth, honest. Peter says, beginning in verse 9, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Hmm. Will you read the beginning of that verse where I was describing what they were like again? Those who walk according to the flesh mm-hmm. in the lust of the uncleanness and dis- they despise authority. Hmm. That, that, was the word, that was the phrase I was looking for. Despising authority? I think all these things are connected. Pride, despising authority, and idolatry. I think pride sets up ourselves as a a God in our own minds and our hearts. You know, we are our ultimate authority. And so when we are our own God, we despise any other authority over us. You know, that's just the natural cycle of how this thing works here. And that leads us to become presumptuous, like we said where let's make a hypothetical situation let's say there is a God some being of great power it would be kind of silly for that that being a great power to bow to a lower authority wouldn't it oh yeah so when we set up ourselves as gods in our own, our own minds it becomes a natural conclusion that we don't need to bow to a, to what we perceive as lower authorities or things that aren't as important as we are and that can be other people and ultimately that can be God's scripture that can be God himself we don't think he deserves to be authority over us yeah that's where it takes us back to that psalm the fool says in his heart no God Mm -hmm. no yep it's a terrible spot to be in and there's the uh, parable that Jesus used about uh, thinking things through, about building a tower, make sure you have enough to finish it, or if the king is coming against you with 10,000, you sit down and consider whether you can go against him with 5,000. And I've often thought that it was a parable about us and God 
you need to sit down and decide do you think you can go against God and win? I'll give you a, a hint. You can't do it. The odds are not in your favor <laughs> at all. Odds are not in your favor. Yeah, you know, but we will do that. Like you said, we will rebel against God, against what we know is right, ignore our conscience, then we set ourselves up to do battle with the Almighty. Personally, I'm too old for that. <laughs> Don't got the energy to, to wrestle anymore? God will defeat me every time because one, he's wiser. That gives him better strategic understanding. Mm -hmm. And he's got better weapons than I do. Yeah. So it's, it behooves me just to stop my resistance, give in to God, and be at peace with him. Submit and be humble. Those are so hard to do. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. It's a simple idea. It's not hard to comprehend, but it can be difficult to follow through on. All right. Have you ever watched uh, professional boxers mm -hmm. before their boxing match? They have a weigh-in, make sure they're the right weight under the prescribed weight limit. Yep. We'll get face-to-face, nose-to-nose, try and intimidate each other. You're not going to beat me. And the other one says, well, funny, you're not going to beat me either. Yep. Somebody's going to lose at yep. the end. Where they will probably not humble themselves to their opponent. Yeah. Even after a loss. Yeah. Where God is the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And it's easy to humble yourselves to Him, before Him. I mean, if you think about how people responded just to an angel in the Bible, they fell down like they were dead. Yep. Hit the ground. Stop, drop, and praise. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the boot camp, it was, give me ten. Yep. Push up, and that could happen. That could happen five times in a row. That's a lot of push-ups to do in a row. Yeah. There's a one closing thing I want to say here before we end the episode. The last verse of Psalm 19, I think, should be the prayer that we say every day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. Now he's not telling God, twist your standards so that my meditations are acceptable. Yeah. Twist my meditations to your standards yeah. so that they're acceptable. 
you know, that's kind of the same phrase, phrasing that we get when give me the desires of my heart. We're asking God to transition what our desires are to match yeah. what he thinks is appropriate. Not for him to give us what we want and think is appropriate. Yeah, so David's asking God to help him seek and think and be what God wants him to be. And that's what we should always seek. We should we should flee from these presumptuous sins, from these arrogant, insolent, from these prideful things that we know are wrong and we do them anyway. We should flee from those. We should ask God to help us find our hidden faults, to show us those things and enlighten us to the ways that we are living against what he desires so that we may be blameless so that way we, we may be innocent, as David says here. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Breakfast Theology. Thank you for joining us. If you found this episode fun, valuable, enjoyable, share it, pass it along, and message us at breakfasttheology at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>